Come on. There we go. Now it's recording. I might have been staring at the camera for a little bit too long. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another Eastern Current Fishing Podcast. Eastern Current Saltwater Inshore Fishing Podcast. It's me and Mike. We're going to talk today to y'all. We're going to talk today to y'all about striper fishing. I'm struggling with my words. Uh, it's been a long day. Had a duck hunt this morning and been up, you know, very since very early this morning. But we're going to get after it. So we're going to talk about striper fishing uh, with our relation being, you know, the Cape Fear River. But a lot of these coastal rivers from North Florida all the way up to, you know, Virginia are going to see these same patterns and same deals going on this time of year. So um, we're excited to talk about that. And we're going to we're going to get after it. Uh, oh, sorry. The one other thing I wanted to bring up was um, we've got a sponsor for the podcast right now. His name is Eric Williams. Um, he's a realtor here in town. I'll link his stuff below, but he's a good friend of mine. Um, great fisherman. He's got a YouTube channel. I'll link that below as well, um, as well as his website. So y'all should definitely go check him out. If you're thinking about buying a house here in Wilmington, you like fishing, um, hit him up. He's just a great resource for for both. And he's got his, his YouTube channel. He does a lot of fishing stuff on there as well. Um, just a really good down-to-earth nice guy that, that I think y'all will really like um, and would love to sell you a house or help you sell a house. Right? Those are yeah. the two things you can do as a realtor. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. <laughs> well, yeah, check him out, guys. We're going to get after it. Uh, Mike, how you doing? Good. Doing yeah. good? You talk for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another day, guys, we want to talk to you all about Striper. Some of their transition period that we're kind of going through right now. Um, kind of where we're coming from and what we're looking forward to and where those fish should be starting to head. Um Especially like right now in kind of the Cape Fear River, which is what we're most um, familiar with, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, we're coming out of a time of year where the water's been, I won't say warm, but the fall time is very hit or miss. The water temperature is kind of up, down, up, down. So now we're transitioning into that kind of consistently cool to cold water temperatures. Yeah. Um, and that's going to pattern, especially our striper here in the Cape Fear, um, to kind of a certain, do the same thing day after day after day. Um, versus in the fall time, they might be out in open water chasing bait as it's coming out of these creeks and it's starting to flow out to the ocean. And, you know, the next day they might be down in deep water looking for something down at the bottom. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of hit or miss. They're all over the place, especially like in the fall time, you get a warm day. That's going to push those fish back down. Um, you know, once we start getting a little cooler days, they'll come back up, they'll feed. They like that cooler water. I feel like. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, no, I I think no, I, I, I agree with you there. It seems like for me, it's like that fall. It's not the cold water, but it's the, the cooling water that like, upper 60s that get some mm-hmm. super jazz maybe like low 70s upper 60s um or maybe a little i don't even know a little cooler than that but it, where, where you've got like a real suspended fish bite where you're catching mm-hmm. them on like x wraps and jerk baits and mirror lures and top waters and then it goes into that like i don't know when it gets colder bite the bite still when it gets cold cold it's like you're not getting that suspended bite as much it's more suspended just above the structure or in the structure um to then like dead of winter the bite can still be it's funny because it's like it like it's like a normal fish like it puts the fish down deeper mm-hmm. as it gets really cold but like it doesn't change the way the stripers bite like the trout it's like in the redfish you can like put them down really deep and they don't want to eat anything but the stripers like no i'm still gonna eat everything that comes through here but i'm gonna be sitting down here a little deeper yeah. um 
I don't know. It's I, th- th- it's one fish that for me it's like once I feel like, especially when you know where they are, they're just a frustrating fish because it's like uh, they a lot of times too they show up so well on your graph mm-hmm. and and you can see them and you can know they're there and just not figure out you're like okay I thought I had this pattern down and now I can't get these fish to eat like. That topwater bite we tried to get on the other day, like, was perfect. Everything was right, and it was an like, okay topwater bite. It wasn't yeah. insane, but what was that, about a month ago, maybe? Yeah, about a month ago. About a month ago. What do you think the water temp was then? Mm, probably mid-60s. Mid-60s, okay. Yeah. yeah. So mid-60s is that. I guess it's all relative of, like, if it's mm-hmm. is it cooling off or warming up? Like, that. Yeah. that's kind of what, what triggers them, so. Um, and these fish are, especially in our area, which, you know, focusing, if you go up to Virginia, to the Chesapeake Bay, totally different kind of scenario there, fishing them in big open water out in the bay. But, like, here, our fish are very tidal dependent. For sure. Um, and that's just because of the way our river system is set up. You know, during the day, high tide, daytime, you know, the time of day, I don't feel like makes as big of a difference as, as when that tide cycle's in the right spot. Um, you know, these fish, they're going to push up, especially in that shallower five to six foot ledge, mm-hmm. that area close to the bank when the tide's high, the current's moving good, and there's some structure there to where they can sit just behind it, you know, and walk out and grab a bait or grab bait fish, whatever's coming by and yeah. swim right back to the structure. Um, that's my favorite time to be able to fish them is that high falling or the top, you know, like two last two hours of that incoming tide. Mm-hmm. Those fish will push up either right off the grass line or right on the structure really close to the grass. That's when you can target them with twitch baits, mirror yeah. lures, and that suspended bite that you're talking about in that five to six foot of water. And then as that tide starts to drop out and those fish don't feel comfortable there, depending on where you're at and depending on what you're kind of fi- like the section of the river that you're kind of fishing, you know, you're either going to be maybe dock fishing or fishing out deeper water, but those fish aren't moving completely out in the middle of the river in 56, 50 to 60 feet of water or whatever, you know, you're close to deep water wise. Um, so, you know, you may have to change tactics, go over to swim baits, jig heads, and this is another fish that will eat shrimp off the bottom. You can bait fish them with the yeah. same the same techniques that you're catching redfish and black drum in the river. You, they will eat that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes them so exciting to me to go fish for because you can target so many other things and still still be productive striper fishing for sure know? for sure it may not be the best it's way. such a good like filler fish you yeah. know it may not be the best way to catch them at that particular time period but if they're there you have just as good a chance of catching them as you do a redfish or whatever right right um, no, i love that so and i think it's kind of funny because me and mike like i think we have like i don't know different different ways that we like to fish for them like i love to yeah. catch stripers however i can catch them mike loves that shallow stuff for some reason to me like that deep like 15 18 feet of water and like fishing a, a swim bait as light as I can and like feeling like I'm like this is not there's no way and then boom you just get yeah. thumped super hard and you're like oh my gosh something about that to me really gets me fired up I mean I like all the bites but that really same with trout and like really deep water on DOA it's like you just got to be so patient to where you feel like there like there's no way this is working and then 
Yeah. You get the bite, and it's just it's a rewarding bite to me. For, I was say, the reward's huge in that scenario. Yeah, where you're counting 15, 20, 30 seconds without doing anything, and, and then you give a little pop-pop and then let it fall, and wham, and just slam it. Oh, it's so fun. I'm thinking about one spot in particular right now that I want to go do that at right now. But I think, too, with um, the way that you fish, you target a bigger size glass. You know, you can for sure. Um, you know, and the, this is a fish just like you know, we, you hear us talking about redfish and trout, they all school kind of that similar size. Striper, definitely the same way. Yeah, they're not always, they're not as dedicated size wise, but I feel like 90% of the time, once you catch the first one, and if it's you know, 15 inches. Probably the rest of the fish that you're going to catch in that area, minus one or two, is probably going to be in that same, you know, 14 to 18 inch size class or yeah. whatever. Um, they're just kind of set up that way. But, yeah, I, well, I think for me, I love throwing hard baits and just getting that, like, giant reaction. Yeah. Because we don't have, I mean, we have some bass fishing here, but we don't have good, like, natural lake bass fishing for sure. here. So, for me, that's, like, the closest thing that we can get to growing up in the mountains and kind of being used to some of that yeah so but yeah i love that twitch wrap or yeah twitch wraps x wraps um and don't be afraid like you know you see a lot of guys troll for stripers and lakes you can do the same thing here mm-hmm. you're just having to figure out those those areas where it's productive to do that and it might take you some time to kind of sit down break down the river you're using your your graph a lot this time of year if this is something that you really want to get get into and not just catch the random ones here and there but if you can take that time to go through look at the bottom structure see what's there and troll and fish to those certain areas those fish will definitely stack up for sure um most definitely so, it's uh trolling can be so productive it's something that i often overlook but um it's a great way like you said to find those fish and then reset up and and you know get after them it's funny too we see with trout where you'll you know you'll fish an area fish an area fish an area and then you troll through it and and i've done this here a few times but it all of a sudden you start whacking them and it's maybe it's like just that bait stays down there a little bit longer in the bite zone or i don't know what it is but they definitely seem to to key into to um the trolling sometimes i mean it can get i've had a couple of days striper fishing where it's pretty silly it's like every pass it's like boom 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 you catch three fish and then mm-hmm. make another pass boom 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 three fish and it's not my favorite way to catch them, but on a day where you're not catching them other ways, yeah. it can be, or on a day where they're biting the troll really good, it's, I mean, it's fun. Sometimes it's just fun to sit there and reel them in. So, um, um, oh, go ahead. you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think for, like, for me, especially, like, looking in that shallower water areas, you know, I'm looking for either, not necessarily pinch points, but areas of converging seams of water. I'm looking for structure. This is a great time of year on these like new moon tides, big king tides. Go out at dead low, go through the areas, and you can visually see what these fish are sitting on because it might be a five to six foot tide at that time. You can go out there and get an idea of exactly what's there. Take your time, look at what's around you, and picture the tide and how that current is gonna flow past some of the structure in these different areas and start putting together the puzzle pieces. It's a great way to locate at least some kind of structure to go back and target later. And once that tide's in the right phase, go back, target it. Not all structures gonna hold fish, but 
you know, once you put that puzzle piece together of like, all right, this is a structure, they didn't hold on this, then, you know, once you find that school of fish, you can start putting that, that puzzle piece together of exactly what they're looking for. For sure. Um, so it, it's a very, uh, I don't want to say like precision based, but you know, it's a very common sense, logical based, put the puzzle pieces together type of fishery. It is. Yeah. And, and that's what can be so confusing to some people, but also so helpful once you start to figure it out and i think that's one of the reasons i like fishing a swim bait so much for the stripers is because it's a bait that i can fish both ways real quickly like i can turn throw it up on the bank and slow roll it off the bank in the shallow water and then i can then i can throw it up current and let it fall and fish deep um you know but they really stripers aren't picky on the on the bait it's just got to be in their strike zone that's the hardest part of the whole thing and knowing where they are orienting at what tide and and how to put that bait in the strike zone so um, it, it's a lot of, you know, trial and error, but color, you know, I'm fishing usually just white, almost yeah. always just white. I'll fish chartreuse or pink sometimes, but mm-hmm. a white, like die dapper swim bait or like a, that's a saltwater assassin, um, or a big five inch diesel minnow or a four inch diesel minnow on what, what size jig head do I like to throw? I can never remember the sizes of the jig heads. That's my biggest. And I'm, it's I'm willing to admit that everybody now three eighths or half ounce. Yeah. I've got, all, like I've, I'm sure I've said this 30 times on the podcast, I've got all my jig heads in the tackle box and I look at them and know what size I need to throw, but I never know what that size is called. <laughs> so, um, don't make fun of me. But, that uh, beer run, mm-hmm. the C.S. C.S. Lewis, that's a Christian author, <laughs> the uh, C.A. Richardson. Yeah. C.S. Lewis wrote Narnia. Um, C.A. Richardson, he's got that beer run color that is bomb. It's uh, mm-hmm. like, white with a little bit of clear with some gold flake in it and those stripers really dig that so um if you haven't thrown the the four inch beer run is a really good it looks like a little river herring or like a little shad and or a mullet but the, the more so this time of year they're feeding on the, the shad and the river herring that are actually staying up in the river system the smaller ones so and this is also one of these one one fish that i feel like when we're talking baits you know, most of the time, trout, redfish, all that, as winter time comes on, we start shrinking our bait size. You know, when I go out and target a striper, even, you know, it doesn't matter if it's January, February, and it's freezing cold out, I'm not picking up a smaller bait to right. target them. There might be a day or two where they get a little picky, but for the most part... I just wanted to see it. Yeah, you're fishing deep, dark water, especially in our area. It can be chocolate milk almost. During the winter, if we get some big heavy rains or more snowfall in the middle of the state or something, and you're getting a lot of runoff, that water's dirty, and you want something big that they can see. And they're willing, like you said, they're eating shad and river herring and stuff like that. So those are bigger baits in general. So you can you can step up that size, five, six inch. Don't be afraid to throw those big swim baits to get that bite. For sure. So, and I think that's one reason I like throwing, you know, the big Rapala X wraps. You can work them slow, especially the floating ones. You know, you can twitch, twitch, get it down in the strike zone, let it float up just above it, rip it back through them, and but you can fish a big bait to these fish. Definitely. And they're reactionary. Right. Like that that type yeah. of bait just works really well for them. So yeah, that's uh that's a good point. It's it, you want them to see it. I mean, they're sitting there in that current, waiting for stuff to drift by. Mm-hmm. And if it's a small bait and it's too far away from them, you know, it's less of a chance that they're going to see it and less of a chance that you're going to get bit. So mm-hmm. the other fun part about fishing that deep water with like big swim baits and stuff like that, or, or not even big ones, but is how hard they thump it when they decide they want to eat it. It's like, mm-hmm. wham! 
Yeah. Um, like a big old trout or something. And sometimes you do catch trout, you know, up in the some of the rivers that we that will fish. Um, mm-hmm. It's always a surprise, you know, mid December on to see them in that real deep, fast water. But yeah. you will see it sometimes. So um, don't be surprised if you bring up a big, big old gator next to the boat. Yeah. Um, what else is there to discuss here? So let's talk about kind of what these fish orient to. Like, what are some? What is a? What is a go-to spot? You know, December through. January, what are these fish like? Um, I mean, we've talked about structure. Structure is obviously a big thing. I mean, they're like any other bass. They want to orient to something. Um, but when it comes to breaking down the type of structure, I mean, it can really be anything. I've seen them hold on everything from small dock pilings or like broken up wood pilings that are just kind of scattered around where they only have one to two foot of relief to something, you know, as big as some of the port docks and stuff that stick way up, big concrete, you know, piers. And the way that you're gonna fish those might change a little bit because of the way the seams and, you know, the current eddies and stuff work off of them. But we'll leave that up to y'all to figure out. That's kind of that puzzle piece that you're gonna have to put together. Yeah. But, um, you know, those areas are where those fish are gonna kind of locate to. But at the same time, they're also looking for natural things, a creek mouth entrance that's coming in with a ledge or, and that's the thing that I think I like about them the most is it doesn't necessarily just have to be structure. It can be something as simple as, you know, a cut out mud bank or a ledge drop off something, you know, it's out off the bank that's not as obvious. To a difference, just something different, yeah. the, the orient too. Um, I think that's what I like about them too, man, is they're so many places to catch them so many ways to catch them yeah uh, it, it becomes like a large mouth bass to where there's just mm-hmm. a lot of different so you've got a lot of fish out in the same fish if that makes sense um but yeah i mean everything and michael was such a good resource for where these fish live because michael used to work for marine fisheries and shock them so he would shock them and tag them and so he would has a lot of striper spots in his pocket so um but Mike said, like, they, you'd go back and fish a lot of times. Like, they'll re-stack in the spots, but a lot of times after you shocked, wouldn't they just, it wouldn't, they wouldn't be there for a few days? Yeah. I mean, and it just depends. Like, I mean, a lot of times those fish will come back to the same exact spots and they're going to sit there. But as far as feeding, it just, it messes them up for, like, you know, the first day or two. But once they get past that, the, you know, yeah. they're going to go back to feeding and they're normal. being normal. But... I think the coolest thing for me is like we used our graph a lot in that boat. Um, you know, we're targeting, we don't get to target those suspended fish like you're talking about fishing in, you know, 15, 20 feet of water because the shock range just isn't there. Yeah. You're, you're deepest, you might get lucky to hit a fish in 15, but most of the time it's 10 to 12 feet of water. I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy such that shallow water kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, it's because seeing how they relate and how they get into that structure and work. what they were on. Yeah. yeah. You, so, you have your head in that zone. Like mm-hmm. you kind of know what, what it's, what's going on there. So, and these fish, they'll move. Like that's the thing during, even during the winter, like coldest times in January, you know, if the tide's right and it's kind of a warmer day compared to what every, you know, the days before it are trending, those fish do not mind this cold weather. They're going to push up shallow. They're going to get on those grass banks they're gonna get on that little bit of structure right where those creek points or creek mouths dump out, whatever it is, and they're gonna stage up there because that's just what they're trained to do. That's what yeah. you know they naturally would do in that scenario. 
Um, and I think that's, you know, it may take you finding that right spot or whatever, but they're going to make that transition daily sometimes during that, that little period. And then they'll drop back off once they get super cold and they might go sit in 15, 20 feet of water. For sure. But um, they're, they're very... They're very patternable, but they're also very transitional fish. Yeah. Um, just because of where they live at, you know, one day they could be here and then next day, you know, they're 20 foot deeper, but they're still going to be feeding every single day. For sure. So. For sure. Um, here's a question I want to ask you and I want to say something I'm pay to, to the listeners first, but the question is going to be based off of all your shocking and all your knowledge through what you did with marine fisheries. What is the perfect storm of a striper spot? I want to know that. But before, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention this at the beginning. If y'all love our podcast and want to help support us, go check out our Patreon page. Um, we do extra podcasts there every week. So you're going to have a whole other episode on Patreon to listen to every single week if you do like that. And, and even if you don't want to listen to more of us and you just want to support us, uh, you can go on over to Patreon and, and support us over there. We thank you so much. It just inspires us and helps us keep going. We could not do this without our Patreon subscribers. So thank you all for everyone who does that. Um, actually, I need to, I want to give an actual, because it happened today, new Patreon subscriber. If you're listening, it was, let's see here on my email. Colin Lewis. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for subscribing supporting us on patreon um but yeah we're me and mike are putting out some really good content and and sharing stuff that we wouldn't normally share to this large of a platform over on there um so definitely go check it out um but mike what is your perfect as far as shocking go like what 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 kind of spot was like money were there was there a spot that you always shocked them pretty good if you waited a little while and like what was that spot like and what are the coordinates So putting together the perfect storm is the vertical transition that I'm looking for on the bank. I'm, t- you know, I'm talking about the puzzle pieces of having structure up shallow along the grass banks. So whether that's a cutout bank, um, typically I love dock pilings. There's a couple old docks. If you live in this area and you ride around the river at low tide or you um, have ran into them, mm-hmm. you know where they're at. Yeah. But there's dock pilings that stick up they're covered completely at high tide but you know once that mid to low tide they're they're exposed so perfect you know like six to eight feet of water some kind of structure that stands up vertically to give those fish something to suspend on yeah and then from there within you know a small distance less than 100 yards from there I'm looking for a ledge, I'm looking for a drop off, something that gives those fish somewhere to transition to. As soon as that tide drops down below four feet, especially when it starts getting colder, that water drops off, it's less than four feet, they're gonna pull off and they're gonna start sitting on that transition spot. And if you can find that with structure, you have the money spot. Yeah. Um, Because those fish can go from feeding here to feeding here back to feeding here. I mean, it's just back and forth, back and forth, you know? And they're not always going to hold exactly there, but if I had to go put my money on it and go fish one spot, if I can put those two puzzle pieces together, that's going to be where I'm going to put my money on. Yeah. Um, I have a couple places here that I know are like that, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't really even matter the time of year. Even when it's warm during the summer, Instead of them coming up and feeding shallow, even at high tide, you know, if it's the peak of the day, 
they might still be hanging out in that deeper water on that structure because of how warm it is. But, you know, at nighttime, they will definitely push up there and feed in those shallows. Heck yeah. Um, but, the, you know, most of the time they're going to be oriented in that deeper water during warmer water or during the warmer part of the year. But, um, you know, if you can put structure that sh- meets that range to where they can transition back and forth without expending a lot of energy, that's going to be your best bet. Definitely. So definitely, I think that, uh, that sums it up as far as a, a money spot, big, I think a big confluence is too another great area, yeah. you know, like where the Brunswick and the Cape Fear meet or where, um, Peter point, Peter's point where the, you've got these two big currents coming together. Um, yeah. those areas can be productive. They can sometimes be very confusing on how to fish them though. That's the tough part is it's like, all right, where do I need to sit? Where do I need to throw it? You know, there could yeah. be a hundred fish sitting on that spot and then if you don't set up right and fish it just right mm-hmm. you know you're not they're all sitting in that one little current seam or that one underwater break and it's if you don't you know how to get to it <clears throat> it can be tough we're gonna just take a couple hours to sit there and figure yeah, out where they're sitting yeah and those fish will stay in those spots whether high tide or low tide yeah depending on the time of year but those are spots that give them areas to move to for you sure know, and transition throughout those tide cycles for sure so um little giveaway there but yeah i think it's <laughs> those spots still are so hard to go catch fish at sometimes some if yeah, you go there in the right times true. it's not but yeah there's spots that always are going to have fish, fish. you know there is always going to be fish on them so um so we've talked about the um we talked about baits we talked about places we've talked about um you know different techniques uh what kind of rod do you like to to use when when fishing your striper I guess it really depends on the technique. Yeah, I was gonna say I like something stiffer if I'm doing swim baits, especially in like structure. Um, you know, like stuff that comes up above the water to where I gotta weave them around. Um, but when it comes to throwing twitch baits and stuff, I don't like as soft of a rod as a trout fish with, but I want something with that lighter tip because I am fishing a lot of trebles and it is a reaction bite. So, you know, longer rod and a light tip i feel like is key because the biggest thing with these fish i feel like is the longest cast that you can get the better off you are yeah because it's cover water cover, cover water cover yeah, water cover water in the strike zone or where these fish are sitting i think this is like the biggest thing or that this is what i learned the most when i was shocking is the areas that they live in even though there's a school of fish per se there, they're not necessarily always wadded on top of one another. You might go, you know, a hundred yards and that whole hundred yard stretch has got fish just scattered everywhere at a certain tide cycle. And then once the tide switches or it's low tide and all those fish have to go somewhere, then they might go ball up deep. But as soon as they get that option to push back up and get in that shallow water, six, eight feet of water, they spread out so much. Um, so being able to make a long cast and cover and keep your bait in that strike zone the longest That's key. is the key to being effective with them. For sure. So so I'm just going to go the opposite of you just because you talked about like a, you know, a jerk bait rod. I like kind of a broomstick when I'm fishing those swim baits. I'm fishing a single hook. I really want to have that driving power in that deep water. You don't know what kind of slack you've got. So I'll fish. I've got a 7-2 medium heavy. Yeah. swim bait rod that not like a swim bait rod like for big bass swim baits but it's just a bigger beefier rod mm-hmm. it's not even bigger it's just it's got some serious backbone to it yeah. you know those soft tips if you're if your bait's 18 feet away from you in current 
and you swing real hard with a soft tip, you're going to miss hook sets. I mean, you want to really be able to drive that hook in. So fishing something stiffer when I'm doing that is, is important, you know, and a lot of times I'll throw it. I might only twitch the bait twice the whole time it's in a swing. Like I'll throw it up there and I just keep that rod tip up and, you know, halfway through I'll pop it once, just a little pop. And then, you know, maybe three quarters of the way through I'll pop, pop, you know, I'm just trying to dredge the bottom with that bait, not on the bottom, but just knowing that it's somewhere in that, like, you know, five foot to the bottom range where those fish can see it, have time to react to it, eat it. And I can rip their lips right off their face with that seven two medium heavy. So that's, that's how I like to fish for, man. It's it's fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a jerkbait bite, too. Yeah. But and my biggest striper of the year this year came on a, on a jerkbait up on Lake Gaston. But, um, the you know, catch them in that current. It's just like it's just like trout fishing. I feel like, I don't know, it's like trout fishing. So, in current, at least. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how we can say that. And then, like, someone might be listening from Texas that's like, that's not like trout fishing at all. <laughs> yeah. Or somebody might be listening from the Pamela Coast Sound that's like, I've never, I've caught a million trout in my life, but I've never trout fished like that. Yep. So it's like trout fishing in some of our areas that we have here that where these trout orient in the warmer times to heavy current. So, yeah. um, and I know they do that in other places too, but, but still. So, well guys, thank y'all so much for checking out this podcast. We're also going to start doing, hopefully, um, on a weekly basis, if not, a you know, a bi-weekly basis, bi-weekly, that, that's, that means every other week. Um, I'm a fishing guide, not a not a school teacher. So, but on every other week basis, try to do a bonus podcast episode for the public. It's going to be a short. It's gonna, we're going to pick a little short topic and talk about it for a few minutes, and that'll be just an extra little tidbit to get you through the week through this winter. Um, we're going to try to get that going before duck season comes out or goes out. But we're definitely going to, and that might just be some weeks just me talking or just Mike talking, but just you know, 10, 15 minutes of just sharing a couple little things, like a very small, very highly focused subject. Um, but just to give you all some extra content to chew on throughout the week. Um, but as always, thanks for checking us out. Like we said earlier, go check out our Patreon if you want more full-length episodes. And we will see you all soon. Later.